Hi, I'm Frances LaCuesta, and you're listening to Big Impact Women. This podcast explores what it's like to live life in purpose, to discover our unique gifts, and be a contribution to the world. Each episode features conversations with courageous women thought leaders, spiritual teachers, authors, artists, and social entrepreneurs on making an impact with their work, navigating through the challenges and struggles they face in their lives and the lessons they learn from these experiences. The more time that I spend giving my attention and my curiosity and um, allowing myself to bask in the wonder that I can find in nature, my expansion of compassion is natural and automatic. And I think for all of us, just being in the presence of the model that nature can provide um, allows us to tap into a little bit more wonder, a little bit more tolerance, um, a little bit more curiosity that um, pulls on on our compassion and brings it forward. In today's episode, I'm talking with Colleen Robinson. Colleen has dedicated her life to helping people recognize and acknowledge their own connections to the natural world. As a trained environmental educator, Wisconsin master naturalist instructor, and now certified as a mindful outdoor guide, Colleen feels that engaging in mindful outdoor experiences is one of the most important personal wellness, environmental sustainability, and social justice actions we can each take today. This work is fulfilling what Colleen has always felt was a missing piece in how people are encouraged to interact in nature and in the community. So Colleen, I wanted to start from the beginning. And I am curious to know, like, what were you like as a child? Did you already have this kind of affinity with with nature or with your environment? Yes. Yes, I have over the course of the past few months, tried to remember back to the first memory I have in nature or connection I have to nature. And I can't remember the first one. I think I entered this world (laughs) with this affinity and um, my, my parents had me outside a lot. Um, My father and I enjoyed many experiences in nature. I lived on the out skirts of town. I mean, it was in town, but on the edge of town. And uh, there was a public property across the street from me that is a peninsula that goes out into one of the largest lakes in Madison, Wisconsin. And that was my stomping grounds. I spent every afternoon out there. I learned how to ride bike out there. Um, And I spent as much time as I could outside. And whenever I need to come up with a bio or a brief, you know, the elevator speech about myself sort of thing. Um, I belong outside is always included in the paragraph. So uh, yeah, it's always been part of me. And another very specific piece to where I am now and what I've done as a career is that I've always had a strong desire to help people connect either recognizing or acknowledging in new ways their connection with the more than human world. Um, When I was a kid, I'd bring all my friends with me and show them absolutely everything I could while we were outside. And I'm, I'm the dog in the jokes where it takes you four hours to walk a mile because the dog is sniffing everything and stopping to check out everything. And that's kind of how I am on walks too. I I love it. I mean, when you said that, you know, I belong outside and you always include it in your, in your bio or when you introduce yourself to, to others. So I love that your, your parents were very supportive of you, uh, bringing you out and just allowing you 
right? To to enjoy, enjoy nature, to what this to have this relationship with nature, even as a child. And you mentioned um, something about being that that leader, right? That bringing um, the neighborhood kids or your friends, and um, and introducing them also to to your natural surroundings. So with this, um, I sense that there is already like a pattern, right? That you've seen since you were little, and how that brought you into. Um, now that you're an environmental educator and a mindful outdoor um, guide, like what were the pattern and traces that you've you've seen that tells you that you know what this is the path that I'm I'm taking? Mm. Thank you. I have always felt a lot of gratitude for what nature has given me. Um, It was never meditation for me specifically, or even a gratitude practice formally in my head. But I remember spending hours just soaking it in um, along the lake or even in the backyard and um, feeling very grateful for these moments where animals would pass through my area or by my path, or the sun feels really warm on my face on a chilly spring day, or rainbows. My mother loves rainbows. So it was a big event. Anytime there was rain and sun at the same time, we'd all rush outside and and watch for where the rainbow might show up. And just all of these little gifts every day and the birds singing and everything. Um, I always felt a lot of gratitude for that. And it's from that place that I think I've always had this sense of wanting to give back. And I have a very strong affinity with water. And I always thought I would work in a career that had me working for water. And it never really turned out that way specifically. but it went to this place of wanting to connect people again and sharing this experience that I was having both for the benefit of people, but um, really at my core for the benefit of of the environment. And um, so I remember looking for undergraduate degrees when I was done with high school and and a little bit of time where I was going to be a, a criminal justice attorney so that I could make a lot of money and then be done with that and retire early. <laughs> that was my plan. And um, I, I didn't keep going with that. Um, but I was looking for undergraduate programs. And I remember being in my bedroom and jumping up and down in, with giddiness when I heard environmental education and interpretation at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. It's a world-renowned university for both forestry and environmental ed. And I couldn't believe that there was a college degree program out there that had a title of exactly what I wanted to do. And so from, from that place, I jumped right into environmental ed and learned more of the um, strategy around sharing um, environmental knowledge with people and also just gaining a ton of environmental knowledge from all of my studies there. And uh, from there, I went and did a lot of communications work. So I was um, 10 years at the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, leading up education and, and outreach for the forestry, forest health program. And I worked 14 years as a education program coordinator for a local conservancy and created adult and and K through 12 programming there. And now I work as a communications manager for a progressive nonprofit forestry organization. And in all of these ways, I feel that I'm giving back and I've always felt like I'm in my space learning what I'm interested in. It's always kept my interest And in a way, I'm definitely connecting people, I'm educating people, but I've always felt a little bit like something's missing. Mm -hmm. 
And just recently, I started um, exploring that a bit more and realizing I'm spending most of my time on a computer. And when I'm creating programming for children outside, there's all of these pretty strict constraints um, around time and the, and all the logistics of field tripping. And um, I always have felt like what I'm doing is there's just this gap. There's something missing that isn't quite that connection that I've embodied my whole life. And so I had the same giddy jump up and down in my bedroom feeling when I heard um, in, in just the past six months about the Mindful Outdoor Guide certification. And uh, I felt immediately called and um, it wasn't an inexpensive program and it wasn't um, without its challenges, but I, I really didn't hesitate. I did my due diligence and learned about, you know, the program and what I would get out of it. But other than that, I, I just felt called and I, I went for it. Um, any not taking it on would have been a strong feeling of, of resistance, I think. So I'm super excited about that still and just feel super blessed and honored to have added these skills in mindful outdoor guiding to my collection and my toolkit. And um, now I'm looking at it as a way of, of filling those gaps and those bits that were missing in my career. I just love the images that you painted when you said that the moments that you just felt so much gratitude for the little things. And these are moments like you listed down, you know, just watching rainbows with your with your mom or just being one with with nature, with the environment around you. And we're watching the sunrise or watching the sunsets. And these are some of the moments that perhaps some people do not even have the opportunity to, to experience. And or um, like you mentioned, especially right now, that we're all just in front of our screens, right? I mean, that's just the world we live in right now with technology and all that. And how your love for, for your natural surroundings and your passion also of wanting to, to combine the two together. And how are you able to like um, share your love for nature and at the same time to be able to, how else can you, can you serve and bring Right, so there is that that element of service in there, at the same time. Um, I'm curious about you know where where is this passion coming from? Uh, I know you mentioned about wanting to serve, but is there a, a time in your life wherein you have really you know thought to yourself like this is it, like this is what I wanted to do. I I I want to be. I want to dedicate my life into sharing the the gospel of like you know mindful connections with with nature so can you share a little bit more about that sure um i'll i'll come at it a couple of different ways first in my in my career so this wasn't early on when i first noticed that i wanted to work in the environmental realm but um, but once I was in college and um, started my career at the DNR and other places, I, I was noticing that there was this something missing. And what I've been able to articulate around that is that my training and my education was very scientific based. So I took, you know, the biology and all of the um, identification classes, and I learned about um, soil structures and um, functions and plant communities and wildlife and fisheries. And it was all very science oriented. And we need science and I'm totally sold on science. I am a scientist and that inquiry is very important. And I'm also very aware that there is also other ways of knowing. So um, in my naturalist work, I also am a Wisconsin master naturalist instructor, and uh, I teach volunteers who um, want to volunteer in the, in the environmental realm. So they're mostly all adults. And 
um, I've noticed there and in, in other places where you get the picture of the, you can, you can imagine the, the naturalist, right, with the pocketed pants and the wide brim hat and the binoculars and everything, and they can pick a tree out of this just mess of green above their head and um, maybe I or someone else out there on a tour with them can't even find the bird, much less identify exactly what type of bird this is. And um, people have their life lists of birds um, and identifying them and sitting with their field guide and understanding which bird this is and where their, um, where their habitats are and so forth. And all of that is really important. And it's one very strong and valuable way to connect with the natural world. And in this particular example, birds. And I would also argue that you, if you create a connection and a discipline and build habits around spending time in nature, even if it's just looking out your window and you're not even outside, um, but you have this gift of attention to give. And if you gift that attention on a regular basis and you see a bird that comes to your tree in your backyard every single day, or maybe you notice when that bird no longer shows up anymore for an entire season or when they return for the season. You might notice if that bird flicks their tail when they sing or not. You know their shape, you know their color, you might start to recognize their song. You know if they're showing up with others or if they hang out by themselves most of the time. Um, where they fly to and from, maybe you notice what they eat. And you might not ever know the common or scientific name of this bird. You might not ever be able to identify it in that way, but I would argue that you know that bird. And I think from a scientific perspective, we sometimes forget or at least don't value enough these other ways of knowing. And that's one of the gaps that this work is now helping me fill in my ways of trying to meet people where they are with regard to nature and help them find their own connection that already exists. So I'm not creating anything with people in mindful outdoor guiding. I'm simply providing a space for all of us who are in the guided session to find out and discover and give attention to the connections that are already there. With what you're sharing, um, what I am really picking up is how much connected we are in, the, in this natural world. You always mention this word, actually, since we started this conversation, it's about connection, right? And you're leading uh, your participants or the people um, who, who come to your to your programs or to your guide guided walks that you're leading them into something that um, they already know or already exists within them and so when you were talking about you know the, the bird um, like having to to listen to to them sing and all that so I'm also reminded of my own experience with that uh, I live uh, by the beach and since uh, the, the springtime, I would hear every morning at the same time, right, 6.30 in the morning, that this bird will start to sing. When I don't hear the bird, like in, in one morning when I'm doing my meditation, I start to miss it. Where Where is it? What What is it doing now? So, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Scientifically, we remove emotions, we remove our connection with nature because we study them. There is that um, te something technical about it. But I think what I wanted to, to go deeper on is that you've already started talking about it, your mindful um, outdoor guided experience, right? So 
how do you do it? Like, how do you lead one person that, you know, I don't have to fly to wherever you are just so for me to experience. So what is that like? Right. Um, Well, let me talk a little bit to my second part of my answer to what brought me to guiding in the first place, um, along with all the environmental ed training and other stuff that I do. And uh, in, in, in 2017, I had an injury uh, to my toe and it has impacted how I walk about and enjoy nature and enjoy all of my uh, movements ever since. And in 2019, I was scheduled to have surgery and decided to cancel the surgery as I learned more about it. And that left me with a, well, now I don't know what to do because the surgery was going to be the answer. And now I had no answer and it got pretty scary. And the way that I heal and the way that I cope with stress and difficulty in life is to be outside and move. And I couldn't do either one of those things the way that I was used to. Um, I went from walking 35 miles a week with my dog to my dog passing away, and I'm walking maybe two miles a week. And so it was incredibly difficult for me. And I turned to mindfulness in 2020. Um, I had done it before, but not in a practice daily kind of way. And I found it difficult. I'm sold on it, just like science. I believe in all of the benefits of mindfulness and, um, and I still practice it. And I have all, all year and a half since I started, but I find it difficult. And when I added the nature component to my mindfulness practice, it became easy. And that's not going to be true for everybody. I think for people like myself who already feel very comfortable in natural environments and outside, whatever the weather, um, it's going to be a different experience than people who spend, um, you know, the average American pre-COVID pandemic spent 90% of their time indoors. And um, we're not familiar anymore with these spaces the way that we used to be for thousands of years. And um, so it will be different for each person. And in in that way, um, I've developed ways in which I, I really don't make anything happen when I do the guiding. I let nature lead and be the teacher. And um, I support the person in the experience that they're having in the natural space. And again, this natural space can be sitting on the end of your bed, looking out a window. It can be on your back deck. It can be just next to the only tree in your urban block, or it can be in the wilderness. Um, there's, There's no limit to our access to nature which is one of the incredible gifts about it. Um, so I just wanted, I wanted to mention that, that um, part, of my, part of my intersection of um, this and my ability to see a gap that it was filling was also for people who for some reason, and for me, it was an injury and physical restriction, but for others, it may just be um, not, not having this affinity for nature off the, off the bat. Um, providing a way and and living it myself to see how it can be done differently than I realized or um, in ways that I hadn't opened myself up to yet or wasn't aware of. I'm just reminded of Thich Nhat Hanh of what he, he talks about interconnectedness, like the sky, right? And then it becomes rain and then it becomes water and then the water we drink. So, so it's, it's, it's like this cycle. Right. It's, it's this cycle that, like he said, also physiologically, like we are connected with with our natural world or with our surroundings. And it's just that perhaps there are points in our lives that we feel a little bit disconnected with um what you're what you're talking about is uh perhaps reestablishing 
that connection, which we already have, by just allowing ourselves to immerse in the experience of being with nature, wherever that may be. So you said, even if it's just one big tree by your house, or just being outside and looking up at the at the sky, right? To just being there and experience it. And it doesn't have to be in the wilderness. Because I think um, some of us may have that assumption that in order for us to really be able to experience um, nature, we have to be trekking somewhere in the woods or or have to be like um, climbing out in the mountains. So there is that notion of, of a, an explorer or an adventurer uh, with what you're, you're saying is that it doesn't have to be that way. It could be as simple as sitting outside, like if you have a balcony or just going outside and just taking in the breeze, the air, just feeling the breath as it goes in and out of the body. So I really appreciate that to realize that it doesn't have to be something that is um, huge or that you have to pack your bags to go somewhere else to be able to immerse yourself in an experience. What do you think is nature, right? Teaching us about who we are in our relationships with others? Mm, Such a rich question. Um, Nature is a model for us in so many ways. Um, there is work being done out there around organizations and um, systems thinking that is starting to look to nature uh, for a model of how do we organize ourselves and express ourselves in the world from a place of uh, community and where every structure, every skill set, every place has value. And um, organizations around the world are, are starting, you know, it's, it's in its infancy, I think, with this connection directly to systems thinking in nature. But the meat of it um, gets to how can we break down this sense of hierarchy within our organizations and really um, bring into daily operations and daily uh, planning and structuring of our organizations, this knowledge that we already have that every person in that organization is a needed part of, of the puzzle. It's a needed part of the success of the entire organization. And yet, certain um, people in certain positions get paid far more or put far more hours in or get different kinds of benefits or simply get uh, acknowledged differently than others. Even though um, those who get acknowledged a little bit less, if they weren't there, wow, we would really miss them, right? I'm also a stand-up bass player. And there's an analogy there as well, right? Like you don't, the bass is not the melody. And it's not the crux of the song, but boy, if I stop playing, everybody notices that the bass is no longer there, right? Um, And so we can look to nature around these systems thinking for bigger groups of people like an organization in that we can watch how nature is not perfect. It never has been. And it's nature's fine with not being perfect. Um, there is a sense of experimentation. So the natural world is fine with experimentation, completely values experimentation and expression. And a lot of times it fails. And then there's learning that happens from that. And nature continues on with what worked and tries again, another experiment, and then moves on with what worked. And, you know, this is sort of a really basic description of of a much broader concept around evolution, I suppose. Um, But there's this okayness with not knowing and experimentation in order to get to functioning that works for the whole. And um, maybe certain individuals within that system Uh, don't survive or fail within all of that, but um, there's something rich there for the whole community and the whole community also 
uh, incorporate what they got from that failure at the same time, right? So even a dead tree is incorporated back into the soil. It provides homes for animals that use um, uh, dead hollow trees for habitat and food, and it's all incorporated back in. Um, so it's not a completely direct relationship, obviously, because um, the the people who fail need a different sort of uh, nourishment and support than perhaps a dead tree that that is on the ground, obviously. But also from interpersonal um, aspects, I feel this mindfulness in nature is one of the most personal wellness, social justice, and environmentally sustainable actions we can take in our time. And the social piece is somewhat around what I just said with a broader systems thinking approach, but also interpersonal relationships. So um, I'll share actually uh, a quote from Ram Das, and maybe, maybe you can relate a bit. When we go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. And some of them are bent and some of them are straight. Some of them are evergreens and some of them are whatever. And we look at the tree and we allow it. We see why it is the way it is. We sort of understand that it didn't get enough light and so it turned that way. And we don't get all emotional about it. We just allow it. We appreciate the tree. And then the minute we get near humans, we can lose all that. We're constantly saying, you are to this, or I am to this. That judgment mind comes in. And so Ramdas says, I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. Oh, that was so rich. Um, thank you for sharing um, that beautiful quote from Ram Das. I, I love it. Um, what you said resonated so much. And for me, um, what I've been getting um, from what you were um, sharing really is about, you know, about acceptance also when it comes to how nature is imperfect, right? The natural world is imperfect, but there is acceptance from us for what they are, right? And, and you mentioned about, you know, the tree or from that Ramdas quote. Also, you talk a little bit about experimentation and how it's okay for us not to be able to know it, but bringing in also a sense of curiosity, right? To just keep digging, keep exploring, perhaps asking more and more questions about what nature could actually teach us. And there's also that, again, um, interconnectedness about us and our relationships and how we can learn from, from our environment. Then... Um, one other thing is patience. Sometimes it does really like take time, like for, for a tree, for example, to actually become the tree that it is right now would take years and years for it to grow. Also, there's always this, um, this metaphor of the, the butterfly and, and how nature is teaching us that if it's not the time, right, for the caterpillar to become a butterfly, if you force it, it's, it's going to die. So it's also, nature is also teaching us to, for, to, to be patient, that some things do take time. And I do agree that if we are more mindful about, about our natural world and our surroundings, we also begin to understand how it relates so much to, to who we are and how we are every part connected to it. And I love what you also said about, you know, compassion and about bringing in so much compassion and how nature is teaching us that about tolerance 
for example, and then bringing in a lot of curiosity and wonder. And I think that's the the, the part about, you know, just being in, uh, let's say in, in, in a park, right? In a natural park, just allowing yourself to be in there and to just be in, in the, the company, right? Of like maybe trees or the flowers or the birds. And also, um, if bringing in a lot of awareness with it, that there's just so many nuances, like really small details that you notice, right? Or how the, the spider is weaving the, the thread or, or what color of, of the, you know, the flower that is blossoming at this moment. I think it's, it's that allowing you to wake up and to feel alive in the presence of, of nature. Yes. And um, there's, there's reasons why that's needed now. Um, you know, we mentioned that the average American pre-pandemic of, of COVID spent 90% of time indoors, spent 11 hours a day on some sort of screen. And we have lived our lives less than 0.01% um, of all of the time on, on, our, on the planet as a species in, in that sort of indoor relationship. Um, it's, it's akin to taking an animal out of its natural habitat in the wild and bringing it inside um, most, most of the time. It's really not different because for hundreds of thousands of years before that, we were in deep, close, observational, experimental relationship with nature. It is in our physiology. And that is why there are direct and swift um, mental health and physiological health benefits to our time in nature. And this sensory awareness, so you mentioned colors and you mentioned details, um, this gets deprived the more that we spend time inside and especially with uh, two-dimensional spaces um, and just getting outside and spending 30 seconds to bring actual attention to the air on your skin is helping to reawaken this sensory awareness that we're experiencing a lot of deprivation around um, in our in our current modern lifestyles. And um, our bodies are are built to live through those sensations and through our sensory awareness. And when we deprive ourselves of those experiences, our body suffers and our mental health suffers. Um, so, Curiosity is great because it plays into being able to um, explore things with your senses and exploration takes on a whole different type of definition than what you described earlier, where we're on a, you know, 50 or 500 mile trek, right, through um, an entire portion of the country in the back country. And we have this destination and we have this goal and there are amazing things about those experiences and they are so incredibly valuable and it's different than um, not having a destination, not having anything to accomplish other than being in the space and seeing what we can capture through this miracle of sense that we have. Five senses that, that we have, maybe some people don't have all five senses, but um, there are ways that we can each take in this information and these experiences, and they directly speak to um, thousands of years, ancient uh, ties in our body to what has helped us survive, what has helped us know things, and what has helped us um, feel like we belong.
such a such a wonderful reminder actually of using the five senses. Yeah, some of us might not have all the five senses working, but uh, being able to to fully experience that and to be reminded, um, I think it's it's like to be really reminded of who we are as human beings, right? And it's also not about just being a always doing, right, and in a going doing mode. But it's the beingness, it's coming back to our natural state. Like you said, it's like being out there um, and not feeling caged, right? In this two-dimensional world, but to be really out there and exploring and stimulating our senses by just what is available to us already. Yeah, and so um, I think this is like um, a wonderful way to cap it off. And I want to ask you as we end, like what is the vision that you're holding for yourself and for others and for the world in general? Mm, Thank you. Um, So also on my website, I, I mentioned three sort of components to how I think about the benefits of these experiences. And the first is mental and physical health of humans. And we've talked a little bit about that and how if we can integrate and experience this connection on a regular basis, it has proven um, to show lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol in our bodies and lower blood pressure and lower heart rate and help with heart rate variability for athletes, for example, and um, increase the sense of well being, um, personal agency, and um, relaxation. And so there are personal mental and physical wellness things. And I, I completely believe that forest bathing, which is an actual nature therapy, which is not what I do, um, but forest bathing and things like mindful time in nature that I, that I do help guide and, and many things in between will be the next complementary medicine uh, wave in our medical system. It's accessible. It is for the most part free. And if people just have some help figuring out how to make those connections for themselves um, or even enhance on connections they already had, as I did when I got injured, um, then that unlocks some health benefits that we desperately need as we continue to live with our devices and with our 40 hour work weeks and and more and so forth. So that's one piece. Um, I think we can just be a healthier world in relationship to nature. Um, Second is that social piece that I I sort of already spoke to. Um, I have worked with children and uh, service learning projects out in the prairie, collecting prairie seeds, and um, cleaning them so that they can be used to plant new prairie elsewhere. And I've had teachers say to me, this child doesn't talk to anybody, hasn't talked to anybody in class for an entire semester. And now they have just sort of taken it upon themselves to lead their small group in, in this seed collecting and everybody's appreciating them. And they're being, they're being kind in their words and in their instruction, but they've got this affinity to this activity and there's teamwork happening where there was total disconnect before. So things like that can happen um, in addition to some of the other social benefits that I mentioned earlier. And then the third piece, and this is really, you know, all of the human benefits are wonderful and they're a bonus and I'm so happy (laughs) about them. And at the same time, to be completely honest, I am really at this space and in this work um, from a place of reciprocity with the natural world. I have always wanted to give back. Um, And that's what 
this is for me. And I feel that in this day and age, people who feel that way, who want to give back to the environment or serve on behalf of the environment or deal with some of the problems of um, pollution and runoff and even climate justice um, where humans intersect and uh, where wildlife intersects and with, with human behaviors, we can feel really overwhelmed in the light of um, a changing climate and a growing human population and um, habitat concerns all over the world, our oceans and so forth. And um, it can be overwhelming and it can cause us to almost um, decide that there's really not much we can do that makes a difference. And with this mindful work, um, these people, including myself, can be reminded of all of these little, as you said, details and intricacies and all of the rules that make a difference and can be actually, um, the awareness can be broadened about all of the different ways that we can play a role and help, including introducing each other to the connections. And the more connected we feel um, to nature, the more motivated we are to help it, help nature thrive and help each other thrive within nature. But also we have a stronger sense of personal agency. Um, we see possibilities. And I'll I'll share this one last example. Um, I was taking my certification course for mindful guiding and my brain was in this space where, yep, yep, I, I know about connections to nature and I feel very connected to nature and this is all great stuff and I'm happy to be learning it. And my focus is really how am I going to build this business and bring it into the world and share it. And that's where my kind of energy was in the first even few weeks of this certification experience. And I decided I was gonna go out into the woods for a few hours with my notebook and write down all of my sort of business planning and who would be my audience and what's my name of my business gonna be. And I was just gonna plan, but in the woods because it's lovely to be in the woods and I'd get all kinds of inspiration and so forth. And I had a few conversations um, prior to going into the woods that afternoon that had me like stuck in this place of, I think many entrepreneurs have um, experienced it where you have something you really want the world to experience and that would really help. And you also would like to make a living doing it. And how do we charge for things that have this strong service component in the world? And um, I, I started getting really sort of cynical as I walked into the forest that day with thoughts in the back of my mind about like, people only want to pay for plastic bobbleheads loaded into container trucks from China and the stuff that really matters, nobody wants to pay for. Right. And I was just feeling a lot of um, stress and un uncertainty about how I would launch this whole idea. And I decided to leave that notebook in the car and stop my, my running downhill with my business planning and just spend those three, four hours in the forest that afternoon doing my own mindful experience and guiding myself through that and just settling in. And that is what I did. And I actually stayed for five and a half hours. And I walked out of that forest with no feelings or thoughts inside of me other than expansion and possibility. And it wasn't even super specific examples. It was not a business plan. It wasn't a plan of any kind. It was just a feeling and a sense of openness and possibility. And that's a transformation that happened for me in the forest over five and a half hours and left me walking out of that forest feeling like I can do something. I have this background knowledge about environment. I have a natural connection and curiosity around people. Um, I'm sort of extroverted and I have this desire to bring the two together for the benefit of um, every living being. And there's a way, and I don't know what it is yet, and that's okay. And I would not have felt that way having not spent my mindful time in nature that afternoon. So my sense of personal agency was transformed in a few hours.
Um, and the more we can tap into that on a daily basis, the more it serves us and our purpose and our visions on a daily basis and helps move us forward. That is so powerful. Um, thank you for sharing that, Colleen. And really, um, this is this conversation is a reminder, even just like you said, it's 30 seconds, right? To be out there and to just feel just being one with with wherever you are, with, with nature, the way you're, you're, you're telling your story. And I can sense that passion that you have. And that's like making my heart also feel expanded, right? Expanded. And it's also filling me up with like, wow, what am I, you know, I'm, I'm missing this. And yeah, right. It's, it's just like easy to, to, to just be um, carried away with, with work and forgetting, but now uh, having to, um, because of this conversation, it's like, okay, I want to take time every day to even just a few minutes of just soaking myself with this universe, with this world that we are in to just really feel it in, in my system. And then coming back and feeling all refreshed and bringing in that the aliveness and excitement in, in my day. And so with this, um, thank you, Colleen, for this opportunity to be speaking with you. And um, yeah, thank you for reminding, reminding me, reminding us of our natural connection with nature. Thank you. It was a joy to talk with you about it. And um, I hope to see you outside sometime soon. Thank you for listening to Big Impact Women. You can read and download a full transcript at bigimpactwomen.com forward slash podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. If you feel moved and inspired, head to iTunes and leave us a review. I love hearing your feedback on how we can continue to grow and evolve the program. I believe when women come together, we can co-create humanity's new story and contribute our gifts to the world. BigImpactWomen.com Go ahead, make an impact.